Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. It is a Wednesday evening. It's the 15th day of June. Beware the Ides of June. It's the 15th day of June and welcome to the show. I have so much going on. We're going to have a great guest. We have a lot of topics to cover. And our guest is going to pick the badass of the evening as well. Here's something I want to say right off the bat, and I'll, uh, I'll say it uh, real quick. I'm going to be raffling off something tonight. I had two versions of, uh, of David McCullough's 1776. This is, uh, I, I don't know how I got, up, got the, second, the second version uh, or the second edition that I had, but this is the one that I read. It's a hardcover. It's the one that I read. I'm going to write a little something. I said, you know what? I got two of these, and I don't know. I, I, why not just give it away on air? So I'm going to start another raffle tonight. It is a wonderful book that you need in your collection if you don't already have it. It is well-known, renowned, as far as the story of 1776, so well-researched. They actually take from the English records and from the, um, the American Patriot records as well. So you know what both sides were doing at what time, and there's so much going on there. So David McCullough, 1776, since it's all we're in patriotic season now tonight, if you put in at least just one Super Chat on, quite frankly, superchat.com, all it takes is one, and only one a person will be counted. So if you want to put more Super Chats in because you have just more to say on the show, that's fine. But only one Super Chat will be counted for the raffle. And until midnight tonight, East Coast time, I will be, uh, I will be collecting this. So for anybody listening afterwards, and then I'm going to inscribe. I'll write something, a whole page, a, a note for you and all that stuff. Yes, I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be inscribing something on a David McCullough book and sending it out to you. But I just figure... Why not give it to somebody in the audience? And all it takes is a dollar to get you in. It might take you a dollar. All it takes is a dollar. I'll cover the shipping and all that stuff, and you might get a amazing classic. So there you have it. That's tonight. And what better time to do this on what show with Chris Ann Hall coming on? Can't get more patriotic than that. You can get as patriotic, but more? Get out of town. Well, what are we going to be discussing? There was a few things that was we thought may be handed down from the Supreme Court today. There was the ruling on Roe versus Wade that would affect Roe versus Wade. The Dobbs, I think it's the Dobbs case that would affected Roe and effectively reversed it. And there was also the Second Amendment case. I believe that it is the constitutional concealed carry case that has my home state of New York in the crosshairs. There's so much I have to ask her about this, about supremacy, state supremacy, the Bill of Rights, the delicate balance between the two, and of course, the jurisdiction, the jurisdiction of the Supreme Court, which we talk about a lot. But I want to just talk about how absolute that relationship actually is, even when it comes to the states legislating on even the curtailing of free speech. I want to talk about that because there's a lot of people who just do not believe that that could actually be the case. 
that the 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 that the the Bill of Rights for the federal government is not applied to the rest of the state. I mean, if it was, then how the hell do we have over twenty thousand gun regulations laws when the Second Amendment says shall not be infringed? Hell, there are federal gun regulations there already. So it's like we're not even listening on that level, let alone a Tenth Amendment level. So we got to talk about that. I want to ask her a little bit about constitutional money since inflation is is out of control now and even the Fed is starting to intimate that there is nothing they can do to stop it except trying to raise interest rates and uh, and that's not going to work out very well and um, we're going to get into that in just a little bit. So it'll be a good one and she is providing the badass for the night. In the second half we'll take some calls. And I appreciate you all for hanging out with me once again. I also have in the second half a little bit of a preview of what we are going to be getting tomorrow. I don't know if Rob is coming in studio. It's just kind of like week to week. We're just, you know, just seeing how everybody's schedules are playing out. But if uh, whether or not Rob is in studio tomorrow night, there is something that we are going to get. And that is a second half call with Frank and Jim Zell, whose sources out there in Utah are providing unbelievably, I mean, this is, this is dark. We knew it was dark. This is midnight, the inside of a coffin at midnight on a moonless evening, dark. So I'll give you a little bit of a preview of what we're going to be talking about tomorrow as far as that update goes, but it is really time for the all the, the new media to get down on this. The story is nas- national, what's going on in in Utah, in that county in particular. But as far as new media goes, they've got to get on this. I mean, it's just safer in numbers, too. I would feel a lot more comfortable if I weren't one of the very few talking about this in a meaningful, sufficient way. Because it's um, it's serious shit. It seems to be very serious shit. So stick around in the second half for a little bit of an update on that. All right, what else do we have here? A couple of guest updates. Tomorrow's Thursday, the 16th. That'll be fun. Uh, I don't have anything planned for June 17th, Friday, but we'll have a good time. We'll do a little Father's Day stuff, maybe, and then we have the book club afterwards. Jay Dyer kicks off the week next week. I want to talk to him about Stranger Things. I've been watching it, big fan of the series, and I know he's been doing a lot of diving into stranger things as well so i think i figure i can bring that up maybe we can talk a little montauk project and uh and then of course the esoteric messaging occult messaging in the whole thing as well bill altman on the on june 22nd next tuesday he will be oh wait 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 the 22nd is a wednesday 22nd is a wednesday i'm trying to get julie kelly on monday the the 20th have not confirmed that yet but we'll see Bill Altman, the founder of Minds.com, will be in studio on Wednesday the 22nd to talk about the Festival of Ideas that's going on at the Beacon Theater in New York next Saturday. Jeff Harmon will be on the show with us, astrologer. I want to talk to him about things like longevity and how coronal mass ejections and things like that impact events um, outside of, you know, astrology. Uh, Let's see here. Susan, Cindy Brady Olson back on the show on the 24th, on the 25th, that's Saturday night, that's next week, we have Bill Barnes is going to be joining us, that's on the 10 o'clock p.m. show, Bill Barnes claims to be the reincarnated Thomas Andrews, who was the chief architect and designer of the Titanic, the RMS Titanic, 
and he went down with the ship in 1912. So we're going to talk to him, and you guys and gals can be the judge and jury as to whether or not you think he's telling the truth. And don't let everybody else in the chat room tell you what to think. Everybody has such strong opinions. Just, just think for yourself, you know, one way or another. Just you have to resist. You have to resist the herd. Uh, Rich Barris will be on with us again last Monday in June on the 27th. Now, that week, uh, the 28th, the 29th, that Tuesday, Wednesday, may have some really important things going on there that I'll announce soon. I may have a really cool in-studio guest for the 29th, but I got to let you know what may be happening on the 28th. We'll see. But on uh, the 30th, Dr. Sean Morton. Talk to you a little bit about him soon. Jay Gulinello is coming on July 1st. That's a Friday. We're going to be talking about barbecue season nutrition, post-workout nutrition. I want to finally ask him about gluten, uh, a little bit more on intermittent fasting, because I know a lot of people in the audience have been trying it and getting on, on board with it since we started talking about it on the show. And I also want to ask him about the healing properties of Dr. Pepper soda. What is it about Dr. Pepper that healed me completely turned me around in the last days of my COVID vacation. What was it? So he's going to have to jump on it. He's like, oh, it's just it's just corn syrup, Frank, so I don't really know. Oh, boy. So there you have it. Adam Krigler's coming back on in July. Ping Trip. Kip Herridge. Kip Herridge is coming back on. It's been a long time. We're going to be talking to him about your uh, savings. We're going to be talk to, talking to him about retirement, about things that people can do to try to get take as little of a haircut as possible during these economic hurricane times. He's very, very in the know. He's very red-pilled when it comes to gold, when it comes to the markets, when it comes to what is unsafe, what is completely rigged, and I cannot wait to talk to him about that. He's, he's hip to the Great Reset. And he's, uh, that's from VRAinsider.com, Kip Herridge coming on. Uh, Leo Zagami, Leo Zagami from a lineage of Illuminati. He'll be on. On the 15th, Timothy Alberino is coming on a couple days after Leo. They're both friends, so maybe we can do something that complements each other. Sean from the SGT Report and Corey Diggs, they're coming back as a unit. All three of us getting together to have some fun again on July 18th. People love when we three get together, so I made sure that I contacted them both. And then um, that's all I have for now. But more, more, more on the way. Let's get into the Super Chat, shall we? Number one, anything is possible. Everything is possible. Researchers discover woolly mammoth tusk protruding from riverbank in remote Alaska. UVA research specialist uh, Adrian Gailey stumbled across an enormous woolly mammoth tusk protruding from dirt of the Koyukuk uh, Riverbank last week. You can almost touch the, what is that, the Pleistocene. You can almost touch the Pleistocene, she wrote in a tweet. University of Alaska Fairbanks discovered the massive fossil between one and two years ago and has been monitoring it ever since. Since being discovered, the tusk has been tied to the riverbank to prevent it from falling in. It is not uncommon to find remains of woolly mammoths, which went extinct in Alaska. Teeth, bones, and even carcasses have been found in the state. Well, that is very, very... What do you think about 
the cloning of woolly mammoth. They've been talking about resurrecting species like that for a long time. Even you flat earthers have to admit that woolly mammoth were a thing. I mean, they found them flesh, blood, and all. It's not just, you know, not some Utah raptor that you all have a problem with. I know. I know it all very well. But what do you think about resurrecting of extinct animals like that, like the woolly mammoth? If I were the woolly mammoth, I'd be like, you know, just leave us alone. Just let it, just don't bring us back. Not now. It was hard enough when we were alive. That's why we're dead. You're going to bring us back now and what? Go to the Bronx Zoo and have some local jump in and twerk in front of me? Yeah. No, if I were a woolly mammoth, I want to stay dead as long as possible. <laughs> let me stay dead as long as possible. Um... But let me see here. Uh, what's another thing we have? What is another thing that has popped up along the way? Oh, this is from studyfinds.com. Studyfinds.com. Exercise pill. Speaking of Jay Gulanello and taking care of yourself, you know, responsibly. An exercise pill could curb food cravings for couch potatoes, study reveals. Great. An anti-hunger pill could be on the horizon, according to a new study. Researchers from Stanford Medicine and Baylor University have identified a molecule that keeps people from getting hungry after working out. After working out. You know, the best thing is hunger is not necessarily a problem. You know, it's not necessarily a problem. It's what you're eating afterwards. If you have yourself a nice filling baby spinach salad afterwards, then it's fine. If you're eating real clean foods, lean and green, then you're doing fine. You can eat almost as much as you'd like, especially within a certain window or whatever the hell you're, you're doing. Your body knows what to do with it, knows how to metabolize it for the most part. And, uh, and as long as you're not even overloading on fruit with the fructose there, then you really can keep a lot of things stabilized. Get yourself a nice clean protein shake. Or slug some salt water. Now, either way, it, it all takes a lot of self-control. You have to put yourself on some kind of a plan. You have to understand what your goals are, why you want to achieve it. It's not just so much about getting attention from the opposite sex. It has to be about longevity, being there with for your family. Just shed the fat. Do what you can. Work out. Get your ass off the, off the couch. Go for a walk. Sweat eat, hydrate, just just do it. Exercise pill could allow you to sit around and have have your, oh God. There's a huge market for it. Huge market for it. Here's something else. Clinton email reporter dead in suicide. ABC journalist 45 years old who broke the story of secret Arizona tarmac meeting between Bill and Loretta Lynch. In 2016, before Hillary email probe was dropped, kills himself. Christopher Sign was found dead in his home in a suburb of Birmingham. Police said that they received 911 phone calls just before 8.15 a.m. on Saturday. Investigators found Sign's body when they arrived at his home in Hoover. Initial reports indicate his death is being investigated as a suicide. In 2016, Sign broke the story of tarmac meeting between Bill Clinton and Loretta Lynch. I mean, the um, the chronology of events, how that fit in chronologically to everything else with the announcement of whether or not uh, 
whether or not James Comey was going to announce one or thing, uh, one thing or another, or or recommend prosecution for one thing or another. It's it's incredible. It's uncanny. Now, why they waited this long to kill him, I don't know. Ex-President Clinton met with then-Attorney General uh, on the tarmac of Phoenix Airport. Lynch's Justice Department was investigating Clinton's wife, Hillary. Meeting forced Lynch to recuse herself from overseeing the investigation, uh, which was okay. Hillary Clinton was being investigated for use of a private email. Okay, well, anyway, they want you all to know that if you have a, uh, if you're suffering from suicidal thoughts, you should call the 1-800 number that they provided. Could it be legit? It could be. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. Let's start this one off, ladies and gents. Please share it far and wide. Retweet it. Get the link out there. Anyone you know, live or otherwise, share it. And thank you so much for sponsoring me in a social media sense. It's a wonderful way to sponsor the show and help it grow very free. It's instantaneous. It's a couple of clicks. Thank you all. We will be right back. we got a big night ahead of us. Take out your notebooks and your pencils. You need something with an eraser on it because you might have to make some edits down the road. You, you just don't know. BRB. one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's rock! Goyle. Why don't you do right? Like some other it's a song, it's been covered by a lot of people. A lot of people. And uh, it's a very sexy song, even though it's about a, uh, a woman kicking her man out of the house for being bad with her money, but with his money, and now they got nothing. Get out, go, go you know, come on. What's going on here? You had plenty of money before, and then all of a sudden it's gone. Well, a lot of people's money is gone right now, especially if you've put a lot of your life savings in crypto, that's for sure. To see Bitcoin hovering around $20,000 when just like six or seven months ago it was up by 60, I would literally have thrown up, and I would have never stopped throwing up for the last couple of weeks. I don't know how some of you guys and gals ride that wave and are able to do it with your nuts intact. I don't know how you do it. It's not, hey, listen, we might all go down soon. Whether whether our savings are in American dollars or whatever the hell else, 
but I don't know how you can sign up for something so volatile. Oh. Anyway, we do know that a lot of what we're going through economically and a little bit of what our call with Chris Ann Hall tonight is going to be about will be economic from a stable currency standpoint because inflation is on the rise and nobody knows how they're ever ever going to fix it. Now, what has actually happened, aside from the crazy printing of money and issuing of money that has never stopped for decades and now has just only exploded, where, you know, we, we created nearly 70 to 80 percent. We put 80 to eight, like another 70 percent of the money, pl- money supply into existence, trillions of dollars printed, sent out, stimulus. It's ridiculous. And that's on top of all these, these war causes and all of the corporate welfare, and is literally welfare. It's just printing out money for bomb makers and whoever the hell else is out there in Ukraine and and elsewhere having a good time, having a good time at everybody else's expense. It doesn't matter because they have people waving those nice blue and yellow flags over here in Westchester. They're doing their, their due diligence. So we've got the inflation. We've got the strained supply lines. And here are some of the headlines we're starting to get now. This is from Saliha Moshin from a senior Washington correspondent for Bloomberg. This is what she said. Some Biden officials privately expressed concern that rather than dissuade the Kremlin as intended, U.S. sanctions have instead uh, exacerbated inflation, worsened food insecurity, and punished ordinary Russians more than Putin or his allies. Really, really, really. And you know what? Uh, From what I've been reading, things aren't really that bad for Russians. Really aren't. Anywho, here's a little bit of what she had written. Corporate self-sanctioning of Russia has U.S. fearing economic blowback. We were always going to be the one that was going to get blown away from this. Russia's invasion of Ukraine galvanized the U.S., U.K., European Union to unleash a slew of sanctions meant to punish Vladimir Putin's government and pressure him to pull his forces back. But some Biden administration officials are now privately expressing concern that rather than dissuading the Kremlin, as intended, the penalties are instead exacerbating inflation, worsening food insecurity, and pushing ordinary Russians, punishing them more than Putin or his allies. Officials were initially impressed. They were impressed by the willingness of companies from BP to McDonald's to abruptly self-sanction. Why would you be impressed by, by uh, the corporate-level hive mind slaves? Why would you be impressed by that? Sometimes selling assets at fire sale prices, but the administration was caught off guard by the potential knock-on effects. From supply chain bottlenecks to uninsurable grain exports due to the company's decisions to leave according to people familiar with internal discussions. In some cases, companies have signaled that they are being extra cautious or want to clear, they want clearer guidance from the U.S. before continuing business with Russia until, can you imagine that? Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly how the framers intended, where companies have to ask permission to do business with certain people because there's, there's drama that, that, that is like, this is exactly the kind of drama you have in an Italian household when you have to put together a, a wedding, but you don't know who's fighting with who, so it, it really hinders you from being able to put together a seating chart at the reception hall. 
So welcome to welcome to Italian family life. Let's see here. Um, because we just have so many changes at once, governments are not able to step in and give precise clarification, and we are seeing many, many examples of authorities coming to different positions, Walker said in an interview, which is why these are all powers that were never delegated. Companies ask, should we be applying sanctions to this entity? And the government will come back and say, you need to make your own decision. That's exactly what uh, Home Depot just did to me. I, have a, I, I had a free grill, by the way. They gave us a free Weber grill. I'll tell you about that sometime. You want to talk about the decay of, of customer service and, and internal affairs at these companies. They're just like, yeah, I mean, you can reply, you can return it if you want. Do what you, you know, do whatever you think you can. What? Anyway, get to that some of the time. So, yeah, there's a lot of things going on. They're closing down McDonald's. There's a lot of problems happening. And not, not to mention how many average American dumbasses poured all of their Russian vodka into the sewers to get likes on Instagram. That was, that was very effective there, too. But now here's this. 723, we're making good time. We have a couple more minutes until Chris Ann comes on. The Biden administration is quietly urging companies to buy products from Russia. A new report indicates that the Biden administration's highly publicized sanctions against Russia, and this is from the Western Journal, have, worked to, have not worked out too well, to the point where officials are now trying, with limited success, to convince U.S. companies to buy and carry Russian products to lessen the, quote, collateral damage, end quote, that's been done to the American economy. Here's another quote. Some Biden administration officials are now privately expressing concern that rather than dissuading the Kremlin as intended, the penalties are instead exacerbating inflation. That's the quote from Bloomberg. According to sources at Bloomberg uh, that, that, that they did not name, the Biden administration has been encouraging businesses in the in agriculture, agriculture, medicine, telecommunications sectors to stay connected to Russia. Oh, if uh, if all of their loyal their loyal, obedient dogs in Westchester flying their flags knew about this. They'd be very upset. They'd be very upset. Now, you may have noticed this. Maybe you have not. But I, I, I take it upon myself and I try. I really try. When I get home, I think about what I did on the air that night. And if I feel happy about everything or if I kick myself for saying one thing in a certain way or whatever. And I really try to grow. And thank you for giving me, giving me that space to grow. But um, you might have noticed that I have really refrained from using the word retard on the show in a derogatory way for, for quite a few weeks now. And I'm just trying. I'm just trying to find new ways of expressing myself. But then we have stories like this, and I'm, I'm sorry, but to describe something like this and the people involved as retarded, to me, is purely clinical. It's really purely clinical. I'm not trying to be a, a schoolyard bully when I say it. I really do. There's something stunted. There are people who have learning disabilities, genetic abnormalities, who are more self-aware, kind, fair-minded than these unaccountable American jihadists. I don't know what else to say sometimes. Now, it's also very important to remember that for those who are really making the decisions here, the conflict in Ukraine, of course, was all about protecting deep state assets, 
covering up for NATO and CIA malfeasance that goes back very many years now, and to use every excuse possible to bring severe economic destruction to a world that they see in dire need of a quote-unquote reset. So maybe stories like this coming from Bloomberg and elsewhere are actually also strategic mea culpas to cover their asses and also make it seem like everything was just a well-intentioned blunder rather than a $100 billion swindle once again, while our supplies are squeezed, the dollar is inflated. They're essentially laundering $100 billion to their friends for a losing cause that they started. Another billion dollars was approved today by this White House to go off in the form of one weapon or another. Who the hell knows? But there are a great many people who actually enable these plots because they actually believe them. They're true believers. And that's the kind of actions... Um, that's the kind of actions that, um, I don't know. They, they think it was a good idea. Now, obviously the corporate world is full of true believers. That should be fairly obvious to anybody, but there's just the average person. There's a lot of average people and there are many of them, at least around me. Hopefully you, some of you live in much saner parts of the country and I really envy you. Um, but there's a lot of people around me who have completely surrendered their critical thinking. I took the baby and Lauren to the boardwalk yesterday after I finished writing for the show, and almost nearly every million-dollar estate in Rye, New York, has been either draped in Ukrainian flags or rainbow flags or sometimes both. And we get to the beach. The gay flag is flying from the local government flagpole. The yard signs are all over the place on the beach. Well, about the upcoming Juneteenth Juneteenth celebration that's going on. Cognitively stunted people. That's the only kind of demographic that this can work on. It's a clinical condition. So I'm going to refrain from saying words that I know are, 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 are very sensitive. But just know what I'm thinking. This is, this is clinical. I'm trying to be very doctorly about this. Okay? So... We're going to get Chris Ann Hall on the phone now. I got a, um, I have a, a quick question about inflation with Chris Ann tonight, but that's at the end. But first, I want to talk about more Supreme Court action, constitutional implications for guns, free speech, whatever the hell else. You know her. She's been hanging out with us for years now. She is worth her weight in gold, silver, or anything else that is constitutional money. And... She is here tonight, broadcaster, educator, author, Chris Ann Hall, chrisannhall.com. How you doing, Chris Ann? I'm fantastic. And can I tell you, I just totally love the Zoom thing that we're doing now because then I actually get to see you. I know. It's, I usually cheat and I like pull the DLive up on my phone yes. uh, so I can you know, see you at the same time. Uh, although this, this version doesn't allow me to to see your your chat room very much but well the, i mean the other thing about this is at least you get it in real time whereas if you're sneaking in on on d live you know that there's yeah. at least a, a 20 second delay but yeah, yeah. I, the the zoom is definitely working out a lot better and especially for you too because you uh i mean anybody who joined me as a guest on skype it was very convenient technologically um, because I didn't have to rearrange my my desktop over here, but there is no audio drift between your lips and the sound coming out of your mouth. There's just there's, yeah. there's something weird going on with Skype. Skype. Well, Skype takes up so much bandwidth, you know. And I live in a big city suburbish city thing now, and you know it, the consistency of the available bandwidth is just so weird. And 
you know, I don't want to be all conspiracy theory or anything, but we're constantly getting tweaked by the tweakers. So we just never <laughs> even know what's what's natural of unavailability and what's, you know, created unavailability. It's all very convenient, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of that. You know what what feed is never going to be dropped? It's the it's it's ABC with their official January 6th committee. Now, listen, I I have not been paying attention to any phase of this farce, but I do want to just l- l- throw this into your lap and see what you do with it. To see an attorney general uh, of the United States, Chris Ann, threaten a former president that his attorneys are essentially sharpening their knives while watching this shoddy television production, which is not even legitimate enough to be called a kangaroo court, for Merrick Garland to even intimate that they are readying legal action based on these purely political performances is really something else. Well, no, it's really just kabuki theater because we're dealing with midterms. I mean, that's what this is really all about. Um, they're hoping that what they're showing on their, you know, their their uh, Orson Welles War of the Worlds kind of manipulation of the media is going to distract the people from the fact that even here in Florida, I'm paying five dollars and seventy nine cents for a gallon of gas. You know, I mean, that's that's just unfreaking believable. Uh, you know, you do that in New York. You don't do that in Florida. And so, uh, and the fact that I shop for three people now and I'm walking out of the grocery store with a $400 grocery bill and I still can't get everything that I'm used to buying, you know, first world problems, but you know, nonetheless, they're, they're just hoping that, that people are going to be distracted from this. And I, and I think what it's not going to work out for them for a number of reasons. Number one, the people who are watching are the wonks, you know, the people who are actually politically uh, tuned in anyway, or and the people who are uh, irritated at what's happening to begin with. Mm-hmm. So the, the majority of Americans who are being kicked in their pocketbook are not going to be the ones that are going to be distracted by what's happening. Uh, the greatest, I think, distraction for them probably is um, you know, other than the fact that they can't afford to buy anything anymore is, you know, the whole gun stuff. So I think the gun control thing has more power of distraction than, than the Kabuki January 6th, you know, theater. It's just, but you're right. It's, it's, I don't know. The whole thing just feels like bread and circuses to me to begin with, because they have a big, big crater to dig out of for midterms. And, oh, yeah. And um, I just don't know how that's going to happen for them. I don't know. I, because, you know, no. e- even if even if there is any uh, any bit of a unsavory ground game that one organization may or may not have going for them in, in uh, elections that they are set up to lose, when you become this unpopular, this unpopular, uh, I, I don't know how you can dig yourself out, and, and maybe maybe this just is, is part and parcel of the whole thing. Who, who knows? But, you know, you brought up the gun thing, uh, because the January 6th stuff is, is a joke. That's why I haven't been watching it. But apparently... Yeah, I know. People are shocked, Frank. I'm not watching it either. First off, as, as a lawyer who's actually been in a courtroom... I I don't think my blood pressure and my sanity could even handle it. This is worse than an episode of NCIS or uh, Law & Order. And I don't watch law shows. I don't watch crime shows just because they're so 
utterly incompatible with reality. And having lived in both those worlds, I just, I can't, I can't even just, I can't, I can't do it. That I cannot do the willing suspension of belief enough to watch that. As a matter of fact, it's irritating to me. I get, I get young people, Frank, who come up to me, you know, they know I'm a lawyer and they're like, I am so interested in forensic science and I want to go to college to be a forensic scientist. And I know it's kind of cool, but, you know, I believe it's more like tough love. I just simply tell them, hey, uh, I hope you realize that what you see on TV isn't actually forensic science. You're not actually going to be doing NCIS. You're going to be in a white lab coat in a laboratory eight hours a day punching buttons. That's the sum and total of your job. So please don't let the the you know the the military style recruiters get you involved in something like that that turns your brain into cottage cheese yeah and i imagine how many people wanted to become a uh, an arson investigator after backdraft came out and you just you know something like that you see robert de niro running around and talking to fire as it's been personified uh yeah i know it's it's a lot of it's a lot of nonsense and it would drive me nuts too like i i asked a couple of my friends who worked at the pentagon whether they ever watched homeland they said are you kidding me I want uh, no, absolutely not. Anyway, uh, you you mentioned the Second Let's Amendment. Stop this in here real quick. If you want one of the best, <laughs> the best movies that gives the most accurate depiction of the courtroom, my cousin Vinny. Ah, that is a that's one of my that's favorites. A- that is one of my favorites. It's, I love that movie. It's like a family <laughs> favorite over here. We love that. It, it just everything about that movie is perfect. Um. Uh, so, so then you know what? Speaking of courts and all that, there was apparently going to be. Uh, we thought that well, at least some of us thought that there was going to be a decision about that Dobbs case, the Roe case, and also the Second Amendment, a uh, Second Amendment case today. But of course, it was delayed. I don't know if that's because of the assassination attempts. If those are working, but um, but the Second Amendment case. Let's talk about that because we, you and I, we spoke about we spoke about Roe before. But Second Amendment is this the constitutional concealed carry New York case? Yeah, absolutely. This is this is the case where the Supreme Court's going to review whether the state of New York has gone too far in regulating uh, how a person can carry a firearm, because the laws in New York say pretty much, and I just paraphrase, boil it down to you, simple facts, that you've got to provide the state of New York with a good enough excuse to to carry your gun out of your house. And if you can't provide them with an excuse good enough to satisfy, you know, their their tyrannical mindset, their totalitarian regime, then you can't take your gun outside your house. Okay, so, so that- that's basically, they're going to be reviewing that. And, you know, the, the, the interesting coincidental timing of all of this is is really going to work out poorly i think for the uh, anti-gun people i mean you have a sitting supreme court who cannot leave their home without armed guards deciding on whether people should be allowed to carry firearms from their house for their protection so I really think that these personal experiences with this Supreme Court are going to untypically side in the favor of the people to to carry. Now, uh, with these cases like they did with Heller, I think they're going to 
what do what we say in in the legal field is draft a very narrowly tailored opinion which means they're going to achieve what they want to achieve through a pinhole okay so that it it, it all the headlines are you know it's going to impact every state and whatever no it's not it absolutely isn't well, uh, but me, I, I really see a very narrowly tailored thing in favor. Well, a very narrowly tailored opinion opposed the New York law. It's it's um, okay. It's a very uh, nice way of nutshelling that, and I'm glad that you did it that way because here is my problem. Um, and, and, I, and I like how you even brought up how what could be the personal uh, inspiration too of all of these justices who are, have been under this you know this kind of this kind of pressure, this threat, threat of death from a crazy Bolshevik uh, citizenry. But once again, this accentuates, at least for me, the need to re-examine this delicate balance between the Bill of Rights for the general government, the Constitution, the state uh, state rights, and then the uh, state constitutions, and then the proper jurisdiction for the Supreme Court. Now. New York, with our Beaver Lady Governor, she she's signing a new slew of gun regulations into the law yeah. just this past week. Minimum age requirements are are raising even more background checks. I don't know what's left to be checked. Of course, red flag law debates are back all over the country. So, the state legislature is making laws as awful and short sighted as they may be, but the Supreme Court may allow people to conceal carry i i don't understand what what the supremacy of one or the other would be here because my yeah. un- <laughs> you I- you've you've really laid out a bunch a whole lot to unpack um and the reason that it is actually more complicated than it needs to be is because we've been taught the wrong things about our constitutions for a very, very long time. And, and you know, we've been together long enough here, Frank, you know, and I've said this on your show before, I think we've even discussed the specifics of this, that we have stopped teaching the proper application of our constitution, state and federal, since 1833. And so what you describe there, this, this dynamic between the U.S. Constitution and the state constitution and the, the state powers, and one would say the Tenth Amendment and, you know, powers delegated and, and the Bill of Rights, has become an overly complicated, multifaceted, based out of invented confusion. You even mentioned the limitation of the federal, uh, of the Supreme Court, of the federal courts through Article 3. And, you know, let me see if I can, I, I want to try to pull all this together in a way that I don't make more problems than I create does that that I solve does that make sense it, it does because honestly the, the the what gets me once again is I see the actions taken by my state as harmful short-sighted and ideologically evil when it comes to disarmament but does the federal government have jurisdiction here and the answer to that question is very simply no they yeah, do not so I knew. and I just you know I don't I don't usually do the gratuitous plug thing, but if you really want to unpack this in such a way that you understand, and I mean to a level of understanding, uh, what I'm about to tell you, you have to go to my class at libertyfirstsociety.com. I don't know if you've had a chance to take this class yet or not, Frank, but this is one of my shorter classes, and it's called The Great Debate. 
And it really is the founders explaining to us the purpose and the principles behind the Bill of Rights in the US Constitution, which we get totally wrong today, totally wrong. Um, just in, in short summary, again, I'm trying not to hurt you know anybody with just enough information, but the US Bill of Rights is not a document that limits government, whether it be state or federal. It's not, it, its purpose was not to limit government in any way. And the reason is our founders believed that the Constitution itself, the U.S. Constitution itself, was a limiting document. Uh, if the power was not specifically enumerated, specifically delegated, then the power did not exist. So we never delegated power or authority to the federal government to regulate firearms. So that power does not exist. There's no reason to have a second amendment from that limiting nature because we've never given them the authority to begin with. We don't need to limit authority. We didn't give. And so the purpose of the U.S. Bill of Rights is not a limiting, a government limiting document. It is actually a document, quite surprisingly enough, uh, to that is designed to be a reminder to the people of what their inherent rights are. So the people, as Richard Henry Lee says, will be the strongest guard against the usurpation of power, against the destruction of their rights. The purpose of the US Bill of Rights, and I will even say the purpose of the Bill of Rights in your state constitution, because every state constitution has its own Bill of Rights. Um, the purpose of our Bill of Rights is to create within the people a knowledge so that they will be the sentinel and the defenders of their own rights, an active force that prevents government from moving in on the rights of the people. Yeah. So in that, that's how it's supposed to work. But now, right, but now what you have is this errant teaching of the Constitution since 1833 and this errant ideology of the incorporation doctrine, which says that the U.S. Constitution, the U.S. Bill of Rights limits the state government, mm -hmm. which is absolutely wrong. And then you have, um, as you mentioned, Article 3 of the Constitution, which specifically enumerates the authority of the federal courts and specifically and intentionally not listed in the power of the federal courts, not listed within the jurisdiction of the federal courts, are issues that are completely insular to the state. So a legal issue between two people of the same state, a legal issue between a person and their own state are specifically excluded from federal jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. Intentional. One, and one, once things cross state lines and there's multiple states that are brought in, right. then then you have a That's media. That's where their jurisdiction, if it, it crosses state lines, it involves other states, it involves the federal government, it involves other countries. Yes, you see. Now it's a federal court issue. This is this is where a lot of people, and I try so hard to, to be, yeah. uh, because a lot of, you know, you'll get a lot of pushback and I know I do for example when I go on I'm bringing you on to my other 
show that I do on Thursday afternoons tomorrow for a half hour. Me, yeah, me and and my buddy Adel and my buddy Brendan's usually there. He's not going to be there, so it's just going to be you, me, and Adel. But uh, especially on that show. These things come up and people are a little flabbergasted by the thought that, okay, well, you have a state like New York that is trying everything they can to really make guns almost outlawed. Uh, but our federal government, our, our, our Bill of Rights, our 1791, our Bill of Rights, they tell us that shall not be infringed. So <laughs> do, doesn't, the, doesn't the, the government have a duty to go in there and make sure people have a right? I said, no. I said, no. I, I, I Honestly, no. It, what, all that limits the, the federal, the general government of doing is making any legislation on guns that applies to all 50 states of the union. And that right. and your state is really where you, you live and die. And uh and, they, and your constitution, you're in, in the New York constitution was written before the U.S. constitution. So the New York constitution was ratified in 1777. And so it's people, and this is really why it's so hard, okay? Because again, we've been trained since 1833 to focus everything federal so that the federal government actually becomes our empire, our ruler over us. And then we have to fall prostrate before, uh, prostrate before the king, you know, for, for their, their mercies and their benefits. When in reality, the majority of our lives is supposed to happen at the state and local levels, you know? We're not supposed to be distracted by the federal government. As a matter of fact, the federal government is not even supposed to be a part of our lives. Uh, the federal government is there to be an ambassador on behalf of the states and foreign affairs. And the only time you're supposed to even know the federal government exists is maybe once every 10 years when there's a census. And if you happen to be someone who is an industry that is involved in a foreign treaty. So that's really the only purpose of the federal government. And everything else is supposed to happen at the state and local level. And you know, because we've taught this a lot, but I know there's people in your audience that, you know, maybe this is the first time they've heard me teach this stuff. But when your state and local government is out of control, uh, that's where you really have the most power. And the most power is through the people themselves, through their state and local government. If your state government, if your governor is a tyrant, then you ought to have a constitutional sheriff and a county commission that doesn't actually allow tyrannical governor's rules to be enforced in the county. I mean, there's supposed to be those checks and balances and the power and the control of the people. And you don't want the federal government to have a power exercised over your state and local governments. You don't want that because the power to help you at the state and local government is the same power to direct your state and local government to deprive you of your rights. And so there's supposed to be that separation. They're not supposed to be able to help. They're not supposed to be able to hurt. And that in lies the problem, really, Frank. Oh, I know. I know because... The responsibility lies with us. Right. And, and when it comes to these these types, like you said before, um, that there's a lot of, lot of different, um, I guess, uh, conditions that are 
are relevant right now that may actually influence the court <laughs> to do something that is that is objectively liberty affirming for the people. But mm -hmm. it, whereas it would be an objective positive thing in the long run, is it uh, uh, an objectively positive thing that once again we have legitimized jurisdiction that was never granted to the court once again. I mean, I, I have from when I brought up, I think it was last week when I brought this up, I said, okay, I'm just, uh, I'm going to, I'm channeling this, uh, the, the constitution to let people know that this is not their jurisdiction. And my, my buddy Brendan said, so, so what if a, uh, if the state of Rhode Island or something wanted to ban free speech, they can said, uh, yeah. I mean, if they, 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 if it's in line with their, their state constitution or if everybody's okay with it, if they want to attempt it, fine. But you know, the thing that really keeps people in, in check here, uh, I mean, for example, New York city, New York city, you can be fined up to a quarter of a million dollars for misgendering somebody in what they believe to be a, a, a malicious way. Is that not uh, the curtailing of free speech? Well, I, I mean, so it happens all the time. And to your point about guns as well, do you remember uh, like maybe two or three years ago, the Missouri state government passed legislation rejecting all federal gun regulations? Oh, yeah. And I was like, yes, I was like, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Well, no, we actually um, we actually uh, help advocate for other states to adopt that. You know, Samuel Adams said it this way. He said, no people will tamely surrender their liberties nor be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. He said, on the contrary, when the people become universally ignorant and debauched in their manners, they will sink underneath their own weight without the aid of foreign invaders because the responsibility is ours, right? But in order to maintain that responsibility, Frank, we've got to be educated and we've, we've got to be a people who respect the liberty and the property rights of others because without education, without a liberty perspective of the rights of others, then you actually become your own worst enemy. And, you know, Frank, I've really looked into this issue with New York and the gun control and all this other stuff um, because the Supreme Court should actually. Now, this is going to make people mad, Frank. I hope you're OK with that. But it's the absolute truth. And I know you're on board with it, too. The Supreme Court ought to take this case and say, well, um, you know, uh, we weren't delegated any authority to handle this case. This is an in-state issue. Um, the New York Constitution is actually silent on the right to keep and bear arms. So, therefore, this is solely a state issue, and the people of New York need to uh, amend their constitution or control their government better but this is not a federal issue which is the same thing they did frank for the roe v wade thing that's why roe everybody's screaming that roe is being overturned they didn't the supreme court is not outlawing abortion anywhere there's nothing if you live in massachusetts where you can murder a baby when you know like two years after you have it then uh, nothing's going to change for you if you live in Oklahoma that has very strict uh, rules on abortion, nothing's going to change for you. So these issues are really, really state issues. They are not federal issues. Yeah. And surprisingly enough, 
Most people don't understand why the New York Constitution is actually silent on the right to keep and bear arms. I I, I know, and it's that's why I, I bring this up because it's not like you can ever say I'm a person who is all for gun control or wanting to see these bad, bad, ill thought out, ideologically driven ideas come to fruition. And have put, because it puts everybody's lives in danger, I think it's I think it's a real evil to let innocent people be left. Um, undefended when you're obviously right. so lax with your policing as well. But right. at the same time, uh, where, where we say this is the right call for the Supreme Court to say we have nothing to do with abortion as per, you know, Article 1, Section 8, the same thing is, is, the, is the case for this. There is nothing, they have nothing to do with it. Now, it, it's, up to, it's, it's up to New York, the citizens of New York, to sink or swim um, or, or any, anywhere else. It really just is. And, and if we're going to be fair, we got to be consistent. You know, Frank, I think if we were consistent with our study of, of the history of our constitutions, with the writings of our constitutions, the creations of our constitutions, we wouldn't even be having this conversation because the left would make that argument that the New York Constitution is silent on the right to keep and bear arms. Therefore, in 1777, when they drafted it, they didn't believe that the people had a right to keep and bear arms. Well, that's not, and that's absolutely the opposite. Uh, Alexander Hamilton explains who had a lot to do with the drafting of the 1777 New York Constitution. In Federalist 84, explains why things are not in the Bill of Rights. And it's not because they didn't think they had the rights. But Hamilton had the philosophy that, again, the Constitution limits the federal government's authority. And since we never delegated to the New York state government or the local government the authority to regulate our firearms, the power to regulate does not exist. So there's no reason for us to write down that we have a right to keep and bear arms because we don't have to limit the government from doing something that we never told them they could do in the first place. As a matter of fact, Hamilton explains in Federalist 84 that by writing it down, you can actually give a deceiver the opportunity to use it as a handhold to create regulations where no authority to regulate actually exists. Yeah, this is why I've been I've read and I've been told in past conversations about the Bill of Rights for the federal government itself that a lot of people there were well, there was a lot of opposition to it just because they believed it was redundant. Um, yeah, in, in and that that's respect. what my class, the Great Debate at Liberty First Society, goes through quite quite systematically. It's not a very complex debate, but it's a very, very important one. And I know you're a student at Liberty First Society, so mm. uh, I think you would really enjoy it. I think it's only a 30-minute class. Tremendous. I, I definitely want to I want to jump into that and just shore it up. I, I, I'm pretty, uh, well, at least I, I have a good general understanding of why it was... Yeah. Um, there was a lot of heated debate there. And for the same reasons, at least for the, some of the same reasons as you just discussed yeah. with New York. Um, so here's something else I want to ask you that, is, that pertains to what we're living through right now, and that's inflation. Now, I know that mm-hmm. you said we spoke privately. You said that this could take a while to unpack if we really yeah. do- dove into it. So uh, let's just try to find a way to, to make this a nice five to ten minute crash course in consti- yeah, I think I can do that. constitutional money. Everybody's talking about inflation. And, uh, of course, we have the, the reckless printing of dollars. Uh, trillions and trillions have been, have been just 
just spun out to the public and to and to donors and to uh, arms manufacturers and everything else, pharmaceutical companies over the last couple of years alone. We got real big problems. The federal government, the, the Federal Reserve, which is not federal as we all know, is uh, is pretty much letting everybody know that they have no clue how the hell they're going to stop this. They probably can't. So my question is this: In what was the original the original vision for money. I know that in Article 1, Section 10, they mention gold and silver specifically, but they also mention that the states can't print their own money. So was there always going to be a uniform American dollar? Uh, what was the, the restrictions or the allowances with that? It's, it's really, really very interesting. And this falls right into the same category that I always try to impress upon people, Frank. Every question that I have received over 12 years of doing what I do about the Constitution, every single question I've received without fail is a question that has already been asked and answered by those who actually drafted the Constitution. And this came up, actually, uh, and there's an amazing argument that is that is written by James Madison while he was James Madison representative of his district in the state of Virginia in the U.S. House of Representatives. Um, George Washington is president and Alexander Hamilton has some whispering control over George Washington, which is quite interestingly enough, as wise of a man as Washington was, Hamilton had a way of talking him into doing bad things that he always turned around and regretted. Hmm. But um what we have is a situation where uh, everything that we need to know is already in writing and the topic of paper versus coin money came up very early and just to sort of pack it in a small package for you there was an agreement that paper money could be beneficial um, because it eliminates wear and tear on the actual uh, resource, which is gold and silver. Uh, it actually prevents loss. It prevents the um, unlawful transfer of the physical property to another country. And so it actually has its benefit. Now, Madison does a really great job of also outlying the cons of paper money. But they all agreed that the only way paper money could be safe is if it was always directly linked to the coin, to, to the resource itself. Hmm. So that any given time you had a piece of paper, like the, like the gold silver notes, you have a piece of paper that you hand to the bank and you demand at that moment, I want this value in this metal, right? And so the only reason that this would ever be a, a safeguard against the trappings of fiat which our founders knew the danger of fiat. As a matter of fact, uh, our founders' forefathers went to war, uh, and one of the elements, a civil war, mind you, one of the elements of the civil war was fiat in, seven, in um, 1641. 
Um, yeah, so uh, 1641. And so they knew that paper money as a fiat, and even in their case in 1641, uh, Charles I was using brass instead of gold and silver. They understood the danger of fiat and how inflation comes through fiat and how corporate manipulation comes through fiat. And so really the only thing that they would agree to for paper money was the direct link to the metal itself. And that would have to be that would have to be for all states in the union cuz here I have a, a article yep. 10, a little bit of article 10. No state shall enter into treaty alliance or confederation. I think we we actually talked about that clause right there when yeah. we were discussing the uh yeah. the electoral college uh confederation that they were trying to do to pool all their sh- shit together. Um grant letters of mark and reply coin here it is. No state shall uh coin money emit bills of credit, make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debts. So um, why, if it's not, uh, if it's rooted, if it's a gold or silver backed currency, then why couldn't say the state of the Commonwealth of Kentucky print their own money? Uh, they, they, that's, they just, was that always just a thing that had to be uniform well, throughout the unit, union, whatever right, fiat? Well, this- yeah, so the discussion of the paper money uh, came post-Constitution, okay. okay? So we're having this discussion post-Constitution, and it's really in the midst of Alexander Hamilton proposing a, a, uh, a national banking system. Hmm. And so all of this is really sort of wrapped up in this, in this really bad scenario in which the intentions were not noble but good uh and the reason that the constitution made coinage in the way that it did was because they needed a uniform currency in the united states in order to create a union of free travel So that that way, you know, you go from you would go from from Georgia to South Carolina. If you don't have a uniform currency, then you have you have economic chaos. Right. And the whole purpose of the union, uh, one of the major purposes of the union was to create uniformity between the states, even though they're separate independent countries but to create uniformity in the states uh, so we could have a, a more productive, a more prosperous commerce together and to be able to engage in foreign commerce more readily. Mm. And I remember initially the, in constitutional language, it, was, it had to be coins because they did not want fiat. And so what you have now post-Constitution, Madison is a House of Representatives, a member of the House. Uh, Hamilton is the Treasury Secretary. Frank um, Washington is the president. And now they're talking about this, this federal banking system. They're talking about paper money. And Madison makes an absolutely brilliant argument not just simply to, to George Washington, but to the House of Representatives on why this is a really, really bad idea. And you're absolutely right. 
the value of the money was to be set by the federal government, but the creation of the money was supposed to be a state issue. Okay. That's a, that, that is really just, excuse me. And, and like I said, it's just so much, we are living in a completely different world. We are about to pay pretty severe consequences for our, uh, I don't know, our adventures, our misadventures, but it's always just good to know what was meant for us. And, uh, well, and because you're a student, I think it would be really good for you. I mean, you like this stuff. You're kind of wonky, too. You should probably go and find you. You know what I'll do? I'll send you a link to Madison's argument about this. So you can, you know, you can get a little as deep as you want to get in it. Great, man. I'll put it into the, the network uh, rotation. Maybe we can do it on a, on a normal show. Um, I, I do have one last thing to do with you tonight, Chris Ann, and that is, you know that it is the month of June. We did it last year. Uh, you, you brought on Mr. Otis. That was a great, great time. And this is badass month on, quite frankly, uh, the quite frankly experience here, the, the adventures of quite frankly. And I would love it if tonight you would nominate another badass from history. I gave you, gave you a little bit of heads up so you can think about it. I can't wait to see who it is. But anybody from oh. any era of history, who is it? Who, what did they okay, do? Okay, so she is. She is the first American woman playwright. She wrote Shakespearean-style plays in the form of satire, and I like Shakespearean-style writing. So she is, like, gut-hurting hilarious, if you like that kind of writing. So she wrote Shakespearean-style plays in the form of satire to poke fun at the British government and to encourage the liberty movement. She is also the first American woman historian. She wrote a three-volume set called The Rise, Progress, and Termination of the American Revolution. Uh, She said, I have to write this history because I lived it. Now, that alone should give her the badass title because she wrote with such clarity, with such candor, that she ended up ticking off John Adams. So John Adams reads her her history of all of this and he sits down he's so mad he sits down and writes her a scathing letter how dare you how dare you how dare you because adams was a pompous you know narcissist to begin with but uh she just she just didn't care she's like whatever so first american woman playwright first american woman historian and first american woman his uh, political advisor. So if I just ask you off the top of your head to think of a name about a founder of America, any of those men that you mentioned actually wrote to her for political advice. She is actually one of the most powerful and predominant anti-federalist writers during the ratification debates of the Constitution. And her name is Mercy Otis Warren. Mercy Otis Warren. I'm looking for her. And she's James Otis Jr.'s sister. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so James Otis Jr. was last year. And that yep. was that was tremendous. I, I went and I, I checked out what uh, what date it was too. And I was listening to it. I said, who was it? And this is her his sister, huh? Yep. 
Wait, wait, right with Super Bowl outcome. Where is she? Oh, here it is. Here it is. Let me. I want to get this up on on full screen so I can. There's a really nice portrait over here. Yeah, she's absolutely my favorite. I I just I love her writing. We have such a kindred spirit. We're both bold and speak our minds. And oh, she looks fiery. Both completely, totally limited government. <laughs> I bet you any. I bet you any money. Abigail Adams liked her though. Oh, they were friends. They I, were absolutely oh, friends. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> it's to see. Mm -hmm. I yeah. can imagine. She must have been a pistol. Abigail probably loved her. John, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. No, Abigail loved her. But, you know, Abigail got in trouble for her candor with her own husband. So uh, if anybody knew the, the <laughs> you know, the insecurity slash narcissism of John Adams, it had to have been Abigail. But, no, you there are some really great letters between uh, Mercy and, uh, and Abigail out there, along with another woman named Hannah Winthrop. Um, she was an amazing woman. She uh, a great patriot. Uh, they were all very closely linked. And, you know, they had to be. Because while the men were off doing what they were doing, some of them, like like Samuel Adams, his, his wife, Elizabeth, barely saw her husband for over a year at a time. They really had to stick together because not only were they learning, raising families and maintaining their lifestyles because they didn't have Walmart or Costco, you know, you, you had to grow your own food when the British came and burned down your town. And so they had to stick together. They had to defend their towns together. And they really had a tight relationship with each other because not only were they defending, they were also activists. They were traveling the colonies, teaching each other how to uh, make linen and, and uh out of flaxen and wool so they wouldn't have to purchase the English linen. They learned, they taught each other how to make tea out of sassafras and raspberry so they wouldn't have to purchase the English tea. And frankly, by, you know, three quarters away through the battle as it would be ending, um, our women had nearly decimated the English linen and tea industry with their counter movements really robbing the British government of economic advantage here in the States. That's, in the, well, yeah, in the States at the time. This is what we need more of. We, and, and that's why I'm so happy that there are people like you out there who are, who are really, really providing a wonderful service to those who have been woefully uneducated because not only is, the, uh, our, our, is this kind of education so functional for us as as um you know in a civic sense but it's just really entertaining and and wholesome history it's a good stories to know and uh, even around, especially around holiday time as it starts getting warmer we're getting closer to july july 4th july 2nd uh we uh we we, we just i don't know it, it just feels good to get to yep. get fed all this stuff that we don't get anywhere else so i i really pre mercy otis warren is our badass for tonight is June 16th, 2022. Chris Ann, please let everybody know where you're going to be. Oh, well, you're going to be on with me for a half hour and Adel Nero tomorrow at 4.15 on Taking It Back. But outside of that, where are you appearing? Where are you? Are you on the road? What's going on? And uh, let us know. Okay, well, I'll be in uh, Fenton and in St. Louis on the weekend of June 24th in Missouri. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I have my own show. You can even watch it here on D Live. 
Uh, I have all my training online at libertyfirstsociety.com. I'm doing something strange this year. I'm taking the entire month of July off traveling. Um, I've just decided that after 12 years, I need some downtime. And you know me, we've, my family has been traveling for 12 years in an insane way. And so we just, we're going to take a little vacation, one like real vacation time off. Uh, and then in August, we start back up again. And we also have our, JC and I are both professors at the River University here in Tampa, where we have a separate college called the River School of Government, where we're teaching these things. So if you want in-person training, you can come live here in Tampa with us and, you know, not in my house, but <laughs> <laughs> you, you got you to put that out there under us here. Or you can go to libertyfirstsociety.com and get all our classes online and learn about Mercy Otis Warren and Penelope Barker and uh, Prudence Cummings Wright and all the ladies who helped build a great America. Well, oh, Chris Sanders, anybody that, that deserves a, uh, a vacation it's you. A lot of great people out there working their tails off. You are definitely one of them. Uh, is it going to be a staycation, or are you guys going to find yourself a destination to just burrow away for a month? Oh uh, well, we're just gonna we're gonna stay home. You know, I mean, because our whole life is not at home. Right. Well, so, yeah. You know, I mean, getting on a plane and flying somewhere is work. That's not what I want to do. <laughs> right. No, I get you, and I'm and I'm happy that you you guys made that decision. It's going to be a wonderful month for you, indeed. But and you should come visit us. I, I we have to. We will. Don't worry. There's a lot of things I have to do in that area. I have to go to I have to go to Florida. Got to visit you, and uh, I mean, I even have friends in Mississippi now that I want to go hang out with. So there you go. yeah, there's a lot of things going on. But I always appreciate when you come come on. Obviously, uh, if you're taking July off, we won't have you on for an Independence Day show. But this is a, this was as Independence Day as it gets anyway. Thank you for everything. Well, I'll do a show with you, Frank, as long as we do it before the fifth or after the ninth. Before the fifth or after the ninth. Uh, well, let me see here. Before the fifth. Well, the fourth. Because for the month of July, we're staying home, but the fifth through the ninth, we're going underground. Yeah, that's it's that's that's. Or, or you said before the fifth or after the ninth. Yeah, it might have to be after the ninth. Maybe it would, we can find something after the ninth because it's just so weird. You, July first is that first is that Friday, right? But then you have you know the second and the third and the fourth. That's all off because that's over the weekend, and so the fifth is it, it's it's just weird awkward timing now that we're coming out of the other side of the weekend. But we'll figure something out, Chrisanne. And I yeah, really, don't let us miss July. We can do it. Just do it after the ninth. I don't want to take you away from your vacation, but I'll let you know what I have available. All right. All right. Love you guys. Thank you so much, Chrisanne. Have a wonderful evening. ChrisanneHall.com, LibertyFirstSociety.com. Go and sign up your friends. Sign up yourself. I know that we have millions, millions of people in the country now who are have been turned on to homeschooling, who are considering it for their children, if you're if you're figuring into having children or you have children that were just born and you're wondering what their education is going to be like, have Chris Ann Hall, people like her, who are frequent guests of this show that do wonderful work, be part of that curriculum at home. So fear not. Fear not. Another um, semi-frequent guest of the show, Brian McClanahan, he has, uh, he has wonderful pro-America America, traditional American um, education 
for homeschooling as well. A lot of great things out there. We'll get to that as time goes on because I'll be sharing my homeschooling journey with you soon. Aurora's not even two yet, but the first two years went by in a flash, so uh, then again, her education is going nicely. She counts everything already. Uh, her etiquette, her, her education in etiquette is very nice. I give her something or anybody gives her something, she goes, thank you. So you're welcome. And then she walks away. And then she, you know, she says, thank you. She says, hi. I said, hello. She goes, hi, daddy. I said, hello, Aurora. She goes, good to see you. She goes, see you. She means to say, good to see you. She always tells everybody, uh, see you. With that kind of, that kind of uh, attack there. So much. She's got everything down. So, but as far as history goes, we'll figure it out. I'm going to tell her that George Washington is her great uncle or something like that. Really screw with her. But maybe it'll make her embrace him a little bit more. No, don't do that. You'll give her a complex. I can already hear people saying it. All right, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? I have a special announcement to make. I have a special announcement to make. Aside from the fact that until midnight tonight on the East Coast or whenever the Super Chat Tippy Stream company officially switches over to from, Jan from June 15th to the 16th. Oh, today's the 15th. I just said it was the 16th with Chris Ann Hall, didn't I? Until 
the calendar changes to the 16th. All it takes is one Super Chat on quitefranklysuperchat.com to put you in the running for a needs to be in your your library. David McCullough, 1776. It's the um, the hardcover, the one that I read. I'll keep the uh, the paperback just as a reference, but need to just get this out there. Have have a good time with everybody. Uh, but that's not the special announcement. The special announcement is because of Chris Ann Hall's appearance right now. She mentioned my cousin Vinny. Abe got in touch with me. Said, uh, "So should we play my cousin Vinny after the show?" It's usually Rabbit Hole Wednesdays. Maybe we'll do some Rabbit Hole stuff after the fact. But when we wrap up at 9 o'clock, if you're not already on QuiteFrankly.tv, get to QuiteFrankly.tv, relax, cast it over onto a, uh, a television, maximize the screen on your iPad, your laptop, whatever the hell it is, put your earbuds in, sit back, scoop yourself a couple of scoops of uh, Haagen-Dazs Rocky Road ice cream, and watch My Cousin Vinny with us. So, this is very lighthearted. It's going to make you laugh your ass off. A New Yorker in over his head, down south. Brilliant. And Marissa Tomei is peak hot. Peak hot. Okay. What else have we got here? So, My Cousin Vinny, tonight on QuiteFrankly.tv. But yeah, see, that's the those are the conversations that we I bring Chris Ann Hall on to have, because I know what I get from some some people on the internet in comment sections or on one show or the other when we have a Supreme Court making a ruling on Second Amendment what because of a place like New York and its insanity, it's insanity, and it's 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 evil to be able to leave innocent people unarmed. And scared to defend themselves, and uneducated, and uh, it's it's horrible. At the same time, what is the jurisdiction of the federal government, knowing that centralized government is the most egregious thing here? What does the what does the Bill of Rights up, uh, apply to? The, the the Bill of Rights for the federal government only applies to what the federal government can do on behalf of the entire union, can or cannot do on behalf of the entire union. What happens in the state of New York that only concerns New Yorkers is, I mean, that's why you have to take care of who's your governor, and you have to take special care of who is in your state Supreme Court. Those are people you vote for. And also, who is your sheriff as a fail-safe against all of those people being compromised? You know, I don't ever want to pop people's bu- uh, bubbles, but shall not be infringed in a federal government Bill of Rights sense is only for the, and, and even that hasn't been followed. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. So, as I always say before, going back to understand what we've been set up for, what the charter of this country was all about, understanding what what was intended for us doesn't actually fix anything in the present. It's just good to know what the rules were, okay? Especially if you are committed to doing work locally, which is the only place that we have a real hope. Local work. And there you have it. Okay, let's see. What else do I have? We got Super Chats coming in. Plenty of Super Chats. People want this book, and they also want to just talk on the air. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Says, here's a little something for Aurora. Broccoli fun. Preferably not boiled. Boiled? Lauren was texting me last night. She said, I'm dying. 
dying from laughter, of course, because of, obviously, I have a lot of repression, a lot of repressed feelings about uh, boiled, boiled broccoli that has been given absolutely no, no chance to being tasty. Like I said, sometimes we'd have a little squeeze cheese, and it would just be like every bite would have a little dot of cheese on it. Dot of cheese, dot of cheese, this floppy thing. Lauren also told me that last night when I was going through my little diatribe about asparagus, floppy asparagus, uh, mushy Brussels sprouts, and floppy, soggy broccoli, that I had described the Brussels sprouts as being cut up, sautéed, mixed with broccoli. I meant to say bacon. I just had broccoli on the brain last night. I didn't even know I said that until I got home. She said, you know that you... You said that you were mixing the <laughs> the Brussels sprouts with broccoli, right? I said, no, no, but, uh, <laughs> but I was in a mindset, okay? So, I'm sorry about that. If I confuse anybody out there, like, oh man, he really had it rough. Mixing the broccoli with the, the Brussels sprouts, a little too much. That's a very, very stinky evening. It adds some, adds some asparagus to that. It is like your pee is going to smell awful. Awful. It's going to smell like New Jersey. If you had broccoli, Brussels sprouts, and asparagus on the same night, your pee is going to smell like New Jersey. Newark. you never been to New Jersey before? Eat those three things and then piss and, and sniff. So, sorry about the confusion. But let's see here. What do we have on the Super Chats beyond that? Plenty. Here we go. Stostube says, great show always, brother. Just dropping some support for the excellent independent media, my friend. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Christos and Sarah. You guys are fantastic. Jean Odino says, happy Wednesday, Frank. Happy Wednesday to you, Jean. Mark Swans is just a reminder. I know groceries are expensive, but you can always eat ass for free. <laughs> it's true. It doesn't cost anything. Just permission, I guess. You don't want to eat ass without permission. <laughs> Doc Keck says, you are right. It is clinical. Uh, think about creating a spike protein known to interact with the uh, nicotinic cholinergic system on the vagus nerve and ACE2 receptors lining uh, astrocytes which are fat cells supporting neurons making gray matter. Imagine. Now there are people out in the audience who know exactly what he was saying. But imagine the audacity to do all that stuff. I love you doc. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Dooku Dan says, hi, Frank, it's Dan from Tucson, a possible meeting between family forebear, uh, and Tony Block. Oh, Tony Black. Oh, that's right. What is going on, Dan? Dan M. Uh, do John, uh, do a John Sterling voice when announcing the winner. Best to you and your family. I'd say that's pretty amazing. We always like to do John Sterling impressions, but have him... John Sterling is the play-by-play announcer for the New York Yankees on the radio with Susan Waldman. I say, Susan. He's a Broadway aficionado, but we always like 
we always like imitating him doing a Yankee broadcast, but being obsessed with conspiracy theories. Did you know that the U.S. government has lasers in orbit, Susan? Uh, you know, things like that. I would love to do something like that. Write a script and really get the impression down. But I love listening to him. Thank you so much for that, Dan. Ramsey WJ said, did someone say book raffle? Oh, indeed. So you don't even have to be watching live to get in on this because as long as it's before midnight... And it has to be on, quite frankly, superchat.com because your email address is attached to that and I know who to reach out to to say that they won. Well, I'll announce the winner on the air after I pull it out of the hat. But still, um, yes. Amanda Fox says, love the show, Frank. Hope I win the book. By the way, the new song is excellent. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to play you the new, quite frankly, single after I get through the Super Chats. The new Set the Charge single. Broccoli. Gwyneth says, thank you for all that you do. I love the show. Thank you, Gwyneth. I think I thank you so much for being out there. Laura G says, be curious, not judgmental. 1776. Karina. Karina says, hello, Frank. Thanks for all that you do. Thank you, Karina. Shelly. Lurker who has been watching for years thought it was time. I let you know that I appreciate you and the show. Shelly, I you represent a large, large the majority of the audience. Lurkers, people who just enjoy in their own way that I've never seen in a chat room one way or another. And I um I send this message of gratitude back to you. Just tell the rest of the lurkers. I'm sure all you lurkers stick together. You're not lurkers to each other. I know how that goes. You freaks. Revolution says, jumped on Subscribestar today. I hope you got a chance to read the message there for Chris, uh, Chris Ann Hall. Well, probably not. But I will get on Subscribestar to empty those inboxes either tonight or first thing in the morning. So I'll see you there, no doubt. Thank you so much, Rev. Uh, too many words for here. Oh, yeah. Uh, regarding my last Super Chat, Josh, Justin, whatever, the hippie chocolatier man, you know the guy. Come on, man. Let's go, Brandon. Justin. Justin from yescacao.com. Chiquita says, thanks for all the hard work, Frank. Thank you, Chiquita. It's good to have you out there. Carpe Donctum. Carpe Donctum's out there. Says, people from all over the globe are waking up to truth about flat earth. Even Donctum? Is this really Carpe Donctum or is this somebody uh, speaking on his behalf? I don't know. Carpe Donctum is a flat earther? Is this a rumor that's going to start right here, right now? We'll see. We'll see if it makes it if it makes it back to him. If it's not him, Mark R says, "Can you make the 1776 book out to dear Mark? It was best of times. It was the worst of times." FJB, regrettably, Frank. Oh, I'll tell you what. Um, whenever I announce the winner and I get in touch with the winner, if you have any special requests as far as the inscription, uh, that's not going to like you know. In uh, implicate me in a crime I will write whatever you want I have a pretty uh, decent sense of humor I can I can get behind most things and we'll see how that works out so thank you all so much for that we'll get back to that in just a little while thank you to everybody on Rockfin thank you to our super chatter uh, on Rumble though there's a great many people watching on Rumble selling the farm dropping a little bit into the tin cup tonight 
carry a pocket constitution with you always and use it to wake up the ignorant when they appear. Yeah, well, I always have a pocket constitution on me. In the car, on all my desks here. This is a, an old one for me. An old pocket constitution I have here. So, um, always have a nice reference. I even have a digital one on my, on my iPad. On to Pilled. Real quick, Pauli 9363. 1776 is a great book. Siege of Boston, Battle of New York City. There's so much in here. Uh, a lot of divine providence that pops up in this book, but I'm telling you, I think it's the perspective from all the correspondence that was gathered by David McCullough on both the British side and of the American side. You can see a full picture of things going on. Uh, great to read in the sun in July. Robert Sarns, thank you for all the cookies. Dr. Hoffman, Dr. Pepper is carbonated prune juice, I heard. Hmm. I like prunes. I like plums as well. Jay Jewel 85 says, thank you, Frank. I'm visiting my 92-year-old mom in California. Pray I don't get locked down by Gavin. Well, Jewel, send my best to your mom. And uh, don't worry. I'm sure there's an underground railroad that can get you out of California if you need it. Uh, let's see here. Jay Jewel says, it was another hanging shotgun suicide by Clintons. Gwyneth, love when Chris Ann is on. Me too. Donkey Punch says Chris Ann is one of my favorite uh, one of my wife and I's favorite guests love the interaction between the two of you and it's gotten warmer and warmer as the years have gone on I can't believe how many years too um, we started talking in the old studio Sean the Baker says wonder if NFL players are using lube for that red pill suppository for taking crypto in contracts or contracts in crypto there was NFL players that took contracts in cryptocurrency Oh, boy. Again, thank you, Robert Sarns, for all the cookies. Chris Ann Hall, you are awesome, says Dr. Hoffman. Boyce Blanc, thank you. One, two, three, SKG. Sean the Baker, would love to hear Chris Ann's thoughts on Organic Act of 1871, and thanks for having her on, man. She, we've, we've spoken about 1871 a couple of times, one time longer than the other. Um, maybe I can just summarize those thoughts uh, some other night. We're not running out of time. We only have 25 minutes left here. But it's pretty simple. Um, you know, we'll get there. DeCobb says, Chris Ann Hall, God put her on the highest bench. Switchrod says, don't understand what prevents a state from banning guns, religion, speech, etc. What prevents them? Well, I'll tell you what prevents them. What prevents them is the fact that they need to keep getting elected. Now, I tell people, sure, you can ban free speech and you can criminalize all firearms, but are you going to be politi are you going to be able to politically survive the fallout when when crime gets even worse, where people are completely defenseless, where they realize that they're living in East Germany? That that's usually what inspires moderation with these leftist types. It's all about taking little bites. All right. Uh, I mean, you can you can see how things have gotten progressively worse in places like California and New York, right? So it would be stupid for anybody to outright ban, uh, you know, ban guns, religion, and speech. That would be stupid. It'd be foolhardy to go for the goat like that. But um, if it, we'd be fooling ourselves if you haven't seen that there is an incremental, an incremental crawling motion forward in that in that direction. Um, 
So that's really it. And, and remember, these were this the these constitutions, the laws, the the our union was crafted by people who they came from a different moral structure here. I don't think anybody would have perceived we are the way we are today, where we would consider giving up our rights, our responsibilities in the way that some people are brainwashing others into believing that we must. So it's it's actually quite simple. It really is. But that separation of the separation of powers between the states and the federal government is very important and it accentuates why you need to be extremely active on the local level because that is the only thing that's supposed to matter to you. The federal government was supposed to do nothing but provide for the the defense of the national borders, regulate international trade and make sure that um uh, intellectual property can be uh, can be uh, protected and that there is a free travel, free trade zone that is set up inside of the borders of the United the, the American Union here. So that was it. And it's not in our best interest to ask the federal government to come in on a ruling that we think might benefit us when whether it's positive or negative it's still a validation of powers that the federal government and its courts are the, the, it's a powers they're not supposed to have it hurts us in the long run just like i told all my gay friends and family yeah i mean you 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 got your gay marriage ruling but um we've also lost once again the right for local local governments to to do exactly what the people want all in the um, all under the guise of one thing or another. Anyway, we'll get to that to some other time. Switchrod says Second Amendment. Second Amendment uh, influence, uh, including militia, is a national defense issue. Is it not? I maybe you can make that that case. But again, the militias are local. It's not a national militia. And you're talking about states that are supposed to be as empowered as countries. Chris Ann Hall actually tonight even spoke about how individual states are supposed to be sovereign nations bound together loosely through, um, you know, international trade bargaining and also currency and travel here at home. Everything else was when you talk about domestic affairs, you're talking about the domestic affairs of a state, not a not a welded together nation. It's a union. Delona says, can you give my son Ryan uh, a shout out? He graduated fifth grade today. Ryan, congratulations. Absolutely. Fifth grade, that's big, man. You are in middle school now, big time. So congratulations, Ryan. That is fantastic. Karen Campbell says, great show as always. Thank you. Delona for the Broccoli Fund. Uh, Mother-in-law says, Dr. Pepper tastes like medicine. Then you have taken only the greatest medicine in your life. Only the greatest. I mean, Lauren doesn't like Dr. Pepper. She doesn't like that that cinnamon. It's cinnamon, right? That cinnamony taste. I just love it. I love it. Especially if I find it in a glass bottle somewhere. And I don't have it every day. Uh, I don't even have it every week. But that's, uh, that's just one of those things. It really pulled me out of the shitter when I was sick toward those last couple of days. I just needed something to lift my spirits. Like fizzy lifting gr- drink. 
Leo Slayer says, you should read that Flat Earth Super Chat again, I think. Oh, hold on. Let me get back to Carpe Donctum. What did Donctum say? People from all over the globe... Oh, people from all over the globe are waking up to the truth about Flat Earth. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah, no, I get you. All over the globe. All over the sphere. Switchrod says, you're making my point. The communists have proven they'll take big bites. So what is it? But what's your point? They're not taking, I mean, they're, they, they, they've, they've taken little bites, a lot of little bites, and now it's just, they're becoming more and more comfortable, and it's not going to be our saving grace to ask the central government to give us one semi-favorable, because as Christian said, who knows how narrow the scope of their, of their thing is going to be. Missouri is all you need to know. A state like Missouri having their legislature pass uh, 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 pass a bill through <clears throat> their state government to pretty much declare that they are not going to be following or acknowledging any federal government gun regulation, that is the way to go. You say, no thank you. I'm not giving you any validation. It's all local. It's all local. Asking a, an illegitimate central authority to come in and help you out on one thing or another that only validates powers that they don't have is not helping your cause if you have problems in your state. It's not helping your cause. And I know what kind of a, an enemy we're facing here. I know it. We just have to come to grips with that. Okay. Um, now I'm going to go on a really quick break since we don't have to do a, a badass tonight. Since we already got her, and it was fantastic, I'm going to leave you right now about a three and a half minute song, four minute song. It's called "Suffocate the Dream," and it's the last single that we are we have uh, released on this last batch of songs that me and the boys and Set the Charge have recorded. I really love how everything came out sounding. If you are part of the monthly sponsorship for the show, then one Sunday afternoon we maybe three or four months ago, I got you all together and I showed you the evolution of how this song actually came to the finished point it is right now. I showed you the demos, I showed you how the vocal lines changed, how everything changed, and um, it's really a, a, a wonderful evolutionary process writing a song. Well, I'm giving you the final version right now. Suffocate the Dream. We'll be back in just a few minutes to wrap this one up and read the rest of your super chats and who knows what else? Don't go anywhere.
I like writing songs with those guys. The last four that we put out, I've never been prouder to have that been... I really, really enjoy it. I really enjoy writing songs with them. 
All right, ladies and gents, so it's 8.49. We have a couple of moments here. I have to give you an update. We're going to get into this tomorrow. Um, we're going to get into this tomorrow in the second half with Frank and Jim Zell. Here's all that's been sent my way when it comes to Utah. Says Frank, all I'm going to tell you is Pizzagate, Pizzagate, Pizzagate. No proof, no witnesses. Everyone loses their minds. But yet, the internet had a chance yesterday. Statements from multiple witnesses, detailed stuff, Frankie, and Satanism. Supposedly, there was, there was big-time files, statements, things that were related to the case that were made public. I don't know if it was a leak. They are available for download, but they've been taken down. Now, he said, Frank, statements from multiple witnesses, names, everything, detailed stuff, Frankie, and Satanism. Satanism. It's not just alluded to or briefly mentioned, it is throughout. It's a coven in Utah using the Mormon church as a cover. When the first page, when the first page tells you that, quote, the church of Satan will be abbreviated to CS, you know you're in for a wild ride. So that's where this is going. All my friends in the, uh, in the new media, please, I'm gonna have to put out some emails and encourage everybody to, to to do something. Bring the Zells on. Interview them. Whatever the hell. I mean, it's just incredible that this is happening right now. And I don't want to hear your nothing will come of it shit. I don't care. This is happening right now. And, uh... I mean, you just, you just don't know. The conclusion has not been written just yet. And if you, you gotta have, we have to have, uh, I don't know, some seriousness paid. So tomorrow night in the second half, we will get in on that. But, yeah. On over to the Super Chats, real quick, to get this all wrapped up for tonight. Remember, 9 o'clock, you have a couple of minutes, you might as well go there right now. Quite frankly TV. open up a new tab. We're going to be probably about 15 minutes or so. Probably about 15 minutes into the start of the stream, so everybody has a chance to sit in their seats. You can go and check that out. My Cousin Vinny. Linda Love is on the Super Chats, and she said, I hope Carpe wins the book. I want Carpe to come back on this show. Hang out. I mean, if he's ever in the New York area, he can come in the studio. I mean, this is a guy that hangs out, the president, you know. The real president. This is the... I don't know if... Uh, I don't know if I, I can actually handle the, the entourage that would come along with a guy like that. But I would love to have him on again. Love Carpe. Uh, Albert Frederick says, Reaching through the ether to send best wishes to you and yours. Also making sure that everyone knows that Twitch chat is still where the cool kids hang out. Oh, I know that. Doc Keck, LOL. Uh, wait, what? Yes, it's flat. So, thinks Doc Keck is cool. And also, Albert, just want to let everybody know that the Earth is indeed flat. Watch Albert win the, uh, the raffle. You just watch. What's going on, Carpe? I see the I see the uh, the message now. Hello, my friend. Crying from laughing out there. I didn't read it. 
globe. I didn't see the word globe in the uh, in the thing there. Commitube, aka No Agenda Mike, says, "Great show, Frank. Your show has influenced my life in many meaningful ways. I have been convinced." to take cold showers exclusively ever since Rob mentioned it and feel like uh, I feel like a better and more resilient man. Just one of many positive influences. I still have not jumped into the cold fl- shower realm. In the summertime, I do. In the summertime, I get in, but then again, it's, it's warm to hot, and then I slowly make it cold. I could never. No, well, I guess I could. Can't say never. I just has never endeavored especially dipping into a cold pool. I think the problem is dipping, you know, getting down. Okay, you're up to your knees, all right? You're up to your thighs, but we got to drop the tea bag in there now, and that's something else. Witchy Poo 22 says great show as always. Thank you Witchy Poo. 852. I appreciate you all. Thank you again on pilled Leo Slayer says, you should read that Flat Earth Super Chat again. I think, oh, I just did that. Thank you again, Leo. Um, and then Delona, I'm sending over the Scratcher, the Scratchinator, another wonderful night of gold pills, and I hope you all get scratched sufficiently right now. And stick around and watch the movie with us, and you can continue to tip your network engineers for a wonderful time you're having with everybody. And thank you guys and gals so much. That's all I have for you. Tomorrow is another day. It is Thursday. No matter what, it'll be a great show. I hope you come and join me here. And we will uh, we'll cast off into the sunset once again. So from me over here to a wonderful audience out there, thank you so much. So, so much. Hold on. Let me see something. Let me see if the couch cam. That's not working yet. I, I wanted to show you around the room. Maybe I'll do that Friday night when we're just kind of relaxing and doing other things. But good night, everybody. Thank you for the super chats. Remember, until midnight tonight, enter the raffle. We'll announce the raffle winner tomorrow. I'll have Lauren write all your names on little pieces of paper. We'll throw them into a hat. Maybe I'll let Rob draw it out again. And then I get in touch with you, and you can tell me what kind of things you want written on the inscription as I sign David McCullough's book. <laughs> I think that's the funniest part. Whatever. As long as it's coming from my personal library, my stuff, that I want to start raffling off and have fun with. Um, Because this is great. You know? It's great to have people show up and say hi and contribute a little bit. And I certainly have fun. See you tomorrow. Good night. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatter, starting with Selling the Farm on Rumble. Thank you to everybody on the Foxhole and Linda Love, Albert Frederick, Commie Tube, aka No Agenda Mike, Witchy Poo 22, Let's Go Brandon, Stostube, Gene Odino, Mark Swan, Doc Keck, Dooku Dan, Ramsey WJ, Amanda Fox, Gwyneth, Laura G, Katrina, Shelley, Rev Olution, Chiquita, Carpe Donctum, the Flat Earther, and Mark R. 
Thank you guys and gals so much. Tomorrow is another day. Thank you for tonight. I will see you on quite frankly.tv for the after show.